0: From Cities Church, you're listening to Gospel Stories, conversations about encountering Jesus amidst life's challenges. I'm Nick Offenkamp, your host, and now here's the show.
1: Bro, this is uh
2: this is good to sit down for a, a gospel stories interview with you. It, it it feels um uh, both funny and a little bit surreal to me given that we met uh over 8 years ago now and uh I was uh gosh 22 years old um and you were uh you you were well one my uh both loved and feared Professor, at that point, uh, my freshman year at Bethlehem College and Seminary, but also, you were the first person that I heard about in Minnesota. Uh, like that, like as we were in Vancouver, Washington, planning our move to Minnesota, I had a friend, Ryan Beardsley, who was working as a associate pastor at uh, the church we are part of, and Ryan said, "You have got to meet Ryan Griffith." He is one of the greatest people on earth. And so um, we came out for a preview day in in March and you were uh, not teaching the class, but you were in the in the room. It was your cohort. and I just remember feeling like my hands were clammy. I was so nervous that I was in the presence of the Of the great Ryan (laughs) Griffith, and so (laughs) I don't know how you like that as far as just putting you on the on the spot as an introduction. Um, Yeah,
1: then those expectations came crashing down to the earth. (laughs) Is that? (laughs) Oh, hardly. hardly. (laughs) Um, No, I on the on the one
2: hand, uh, you you met uh, every expectation, but the thing that uh, because my reverence was so high, um, I thought that there was like an impossibility that I would ever have the privilege of calling Ryan Griffith my friend mm-hmm. and uh, so that's yeah. been one of the the sweetest graces uh, over the course of the last eight years has been um, getting to know you uh, more and more and um, yeah I've just been so grateful for mm-hmm. for your friendship man.
1: Yeah well I, I know this is probably not uh you know, typically part of the Gospel Stories podcast. But um, yeah, just to be able to say, brother, how much I've appreciated you. And I think, you know, I've said this to you before, but what a uh, high and unusual privilege it has been for me, you know, the last two and a half years to be able to call you my pastor. It's kind of wild at the Gospel Coalition Conference. And was that two years ago uh, when somebody came up and I said, hey, I want you to meet my my friend, Nick Coffenkamp, who is also my pastor. And that was just a real sweet thing for me, man. It's been a, yeah. it's been a joy to um, to know you and Hilly and um, your your friendship has been a deep encouragement to me. So it's fun that we get to work together, at least it is for a while here. S-
2: super fun that we, we get to, to work together and, uh, and super great that God willing, just in the next few months, um, be co pastors uh, together, which which is really great. Um, so I've had the privilege of getting to know you over the last eight years, and uh, now it's my great joy to uh, help introduce you to those who might not know you as as well as I've gotten to. So, man, I'd love to just hear, like, at a at a high level, uh, just kind of give me a bit of your your background. Where where did you grow up? Uh, your family dynamics, and then how in the world did you end up in the the Twin Cities? How long have you been here? Wherever you want to pick up on any of that, it's the floor yeah. is yours.
1: Yeah, well, I appreciate that. Well, um, I was uh, I was born in Lexington, Kentucky, uh, so southerner by by birth, um, but lived you know most of my growing up years in uh, Central Indiana. Um, I like to say that I came from a part of the world where. Uh, it's so flat that you can see your dog run away for three days. Um, what it felt like at least growing up in the cornfields of, uh, central Indiana. Um, but yeah, it was, it was very fortunate to have, um, I mean, a really great family, um, a, a happy home, um, though not a believing home, uh, at least in my early years. Um, I have some, my grandparents uh, on my mother's side were very devout, eager, earnest, you know, pious Christian people. Uh, My grandfather was a a deacon and a Sunday school teacher for uh, almost his whole adult life. And uh, so I had a great, I had some great examples of real, uh, genuine Christians. Um, But in my home, both of my parents said, I don't know walked away from the faith or perhaps not you know not been um deeply committed as as young people my dad came of came from a Roman Catholic family and my mom you know from a from a Baptist family and both of them had had uh kind of sowed their wild oats so to speak and um it wasn't really until I was in late middle school that um my mom was pretty dramatically converted uh, hmm. She went to hear uh, Chuck Colson, um, and when when Colson gave his his uh, testimony, um, it was just it was really arresting for my mom, and something kind of fell into place that never had before, and her life was was pretty dramatically changed. I mean, as as kids, um, you know, she was the she was kind of the. Um, studying factor in the household my dad was was gone a lot and uh, and so you know the routines changed when she came to faith and the Bible started becoming part of our lives um, and you know kind of the 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 shift there in her life and the way that she lived and then also what we started hearing as kids was was powerful. There's so many testimonies of grace. I think in my early life, um, the whole reason we ended up in Indianapolis was because this family had invited my parents uh, to to come to Indianapolis in order for my dad to establish a practice. And that family is the family that invited my mom to a Bible study, took her to see Chuck Colson, uh, and was really influential in my life in in a whole lot of ways uh, up to the present. Um, and so, you know, we can sometimes we don't have the Benefit of seeing God's work until much later on in life, we can look back and see how He's charted the path for us in mm-hmm. um, kindness to draw us to Himself, and so He certainly did that through her. And then I went to I went to college outside Chicago. I was really discipled uh, well, um, particularly the last two years of my college experience in a in a good uh, small local church. The college pastor there um, has had the most profound impact, I think, of any person. Uh, On my life because of his intentionality in one-on-one discipleship. Mm -hmm. It's a bit easy for me to get choked up about it just because, you know, so much of my life changed in college. And um, that's really shaped so much of who I am. uh, This is a friend
2: and pastor you still keep in touch with today, right? I think you mentioned even just a couple of weeks ago that you guys had, had been able to catch up.
1: Yeah, I was sitting out in the, the parking lot at Cities actually in the in the truck in the cold, uh, talking to him about just some of the challenges of, of life and ministry and and uh, he's a good a good friend and a dear brother. Uh, that's amazing. I'm really grateful for. Yeah, it is. I mean it's you know, a relationship twenty years you know, twenty years on. We were kinda laughing about how, you know, his his daughter who I pushed around and the stroller's going to graduate from college in a year. You know, it's just like, how did that happen? (laughs) Where did our lives go? (laughs) I'm speeding along. So yeah, I mean, time did speed along. I worked for a while right after college for a relief and development organization. And and I think in that, as the Lord was shaping my desires for ministry, I thought I was going to do kind of more international relations type of work, but when I was living in the Dominican Republic, I started to recognize what a profound privilege um, I had in the opportunities that we have in, in the US to get theological training. And I thought, you know, if the Lord would take me elsewhere in life, uh, elsewhere in the world, that I'd want to serve with some utility in the local church. And so I came back, did a master's degree at Wheaton, and then um, the Lord brought me to, to Minneapolis. Um, so I came up here in 2005 uh, for what I thought was, uh, was two years to be part of what was then the Bethlehem Institute over at Bethlehem Baptist Church, and, um, and here we are in 2020, <laughs> uh, 15 years later, and, uh, and the, Lord, the Lord had much more than I would have uh, dreamed of uh, in, in bringing me here to Minneapolis. and being part of Bethlehem Baptist Church and part of what well, then uh, as as an intern for Global Missions uh, and then as we started uh, what became Bethlehem College and Seminary in 2006. So yeah, so it's been a um, it's been a just see God's mercy um, and God's kindness all over my life. Um, yeah. Yeah,
2: amen. amen. Just to rewind uh, a little bit, mm-hmm. I just wanted to ask about so when you're, uh, when the Lord saved your mom and she had that, I mean, dramatic uh, conversion, um, how was that for you, like personally, like mom coming back mm-hmm. from? this Chuck Colson event in her life being radically different. Was it like a, you know, a, a cup of ice cold water on a, on a hot day? Like you'd just been waiting for that, craving that. Was it kind of a, a bitter cup in the way that things like immediately changed? Where, where were you at spiritually speaking? Did you feel like mm. the Lord had, had prepared you uh, for that conversion and you were on board with her right away? Or did it, did it take some time for, the truths that had so impacted her to land in your own life.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think it was, it was more gradual. um, But what was distinct was just the change in her way of living and the way that she Mm -hmm. talked and thought and the way that she interacted with, with us as kids and what was, what were priorities. And, you know, in some ways, you know, looking back now, you know, she was a, choose a baby christian in certain ways and you know made some decisions (laughs) that you look back and go what was going on about that um but you know i think what was what was profoundly evident was a a gentleness um you know a a steadiness that i think was not as prominent then and and just the way that she talked about you know know who jesus was Mm -hmm. um we heard that at the, at the breakfast table. Um, and we talked about it, you know, we kind of lived out in the sticks. So you had to drive everywhere. Uh, you know, every, everywhere was at least 15 minutes. You know, it's probably you know, not saying much these days, but uh, yeah, we just, there was a lot of, a lot of car, a lot of windshield time, a lot of conversation about, about yeah. um, what it meant to belong to him. And so, I don't know that there is a precise moment where, you know, all of those things in God's kindness fell into place for me. But, you know, I think, um, you know, when I was a teenager, I started to realize how needful of, of Jesus I was and, you know, the ramifications of my own personal choices and, uh, the inheritance that I had and, you know, being a son of Adam, um, and that i needed i needed jesus and uh and yet i mean i was i was pretty i was pretty immature it took a long time um to come to to grip i think with the reliability of the gospel and what i mean by that was i think there was there was fear for me even even going to college i I was afraid that i'd come around some corner um you know, intellectually in life and discover that the gospel wasn't reliable. Um, Mm -hmm. That the the truth, that that somehow something out there, some discovery in the world would undermine uh, the reliability of the faith. And I was fortunate, I think, to discover that that's not true. Um, And that every place where I pressed in, um, Jesus was there and in ways far more profoundly than I could have expected um, so yeah. yeah but that was a big part of my story too was just navigating the doubts and the challenges um, totally. in, in college particularly and uh, yeah.
2: yeah yeah which then of course makes myself more grateful for this uh, mentor that you had in in college and over yeah. the last uh, 20 years. It's great. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, so much of the, uh, the Christian life is right? the Lord in his wisdom and because he's a father who loves us and because we're his children, uh, he disciplines us, which often looks like allowing us to go through all kinds of different uh, trials and, and hardships and tests mm-hmm. of our faith and that it's because we're his true children that that he disciplines us that he teaches us uh, his true nature and reveals to us uh, our nature apart from him and our, our desperate need for him draws us in closer and i know that um you know, throughout your your life you've experienced several of those different uh kinds of trials and different uh, seasons of of hardship i'm i'm curious even now um, like you've uh, um, the, the last several, uh, well, last f- three, four years have had a lot of different twists and turns mm-hmm. for you, to say the least, especially as it relates to just um, vocational calling. We'll, mm-hmm. we'll call it that as you've really sought out what, what the Lord would have and, and what he's doing. You were a, a professor for several years at Bethlehem College and Seminary. Um, really fruitful uh, ministry and time there, which I'm saying from my own personal experience of being one of your your students um, and s- several other members at cities who uh, took classes with you. You were teaching with Pastor Joe Rigney for um, several years there, uh, and then more recently you were at um, the Gospel Coalition, and uh, and then. Um, now you're with, uh, with Cities uh, coming on um, to, a, as a pastor and to oversee all of our training, leadership development, caring for our, our church planters. Uh, I mean, it's a, an ever-growing job description, it, it seems <laughs> like at times. Uh, yeah. We, we got to find the brakes for this thing at some point, but <laughs> um, which I'm so grateful for, so grateful mm-hmm. to have you at Cities, and also uh, There's so many ways in which I, I pinch myself, given you look at your uh, your resume, your, your PhD, so many of the things that the Lord has allowed you to do. And uh, and then I kind of look at the, the job description and, and think to myself, man, Ryan's way overqualified for uh, for this role. Now, don't hear me wrong as though it's like a, a role that's that's beneath you. That's not what I'm saying. But just what a gift it is to our church to to have a guy like yourself. I know that that hasn't exactly always been an easy road, a happy, happy that it's ending up at cities right now, but um, just in whatever detail you'd like, I'd love to just hear um, what the last few years have been like for you, how the Lord has been both challenging you and meeting you in a lot of these um, transitions. And as you're seeking all right, Lord, what what is your will for me vocationally?
1: Yeah, yeah, well, I appreciate that, Nick. I think, you know, even the way that you started there is a good place to, to pause and think. Just, you know, some of us perhaps growing up in more um, disciplinary and authoritarian kinds of homes uh, are accustomed to thinking that uh, maybe discipline is only something that takes place in our lives when we do something bad or we do something mm-hmm. wrong. Um, but that's, I think, um, the whole point uh, that the uh, biblical author has in mind uh, in that God disciplines those whom he, whom he loves. Discipline isn't only, you know, the some kind of retributive, you know, punishment for things that we've done wrong, although it, it can be and it, and it should be. Um, but it's also something in order to shape us and refine us and to care for us. Um, I mean, I think that's, that's one of those hard things to, to grasp that discipline could actually be, um, done in love. And, And it feels to me in some ways like that's, that's part of the story here. Um, I mean, I think the text for me, that's been most helpful, um, you know, is, is in John 15, you know, Jesus's own depiction of what the Christian life is. And that's, mm. uh, it's a life of pruning. And pruning is painful. You know, sometimes it feels like in ministry we're being killed. Um, you know, I, a good friend expressed it one time. It's like uh, in, in, you know, kind of a, a moment of, uh, of pastoral sensitivity, you're killing me, God. <laughs> mm-hmm. And and sometimes it very much feels like that, um, but in a similar way uh, to, to James, Jesus, you know, that's where James gets it. He gets it from Jesus saying, "This is an evidence, actually, of God's care for you, because it's only through pruning that He brings about uh, fruit, and the Father's desire for you is that you bear much fruit." Um, and so John 15 has been particularly, um, near to me, uh, in the last several years where it just has felt somewhat like the vocational path has not been the one that I would have charted out. Um, so yeah, I was at, at Bethlehem for 12 years. Um, I mean, God was, was kind to me and that, you know, I got to have a major hand in the formation of what became the college, um, uh, the uh, you know Joe and Pastor Joe and I were in the same cohort of students in the uh, in the Bethlehem Institute, and when I started teaching what would become the college, he was the first guy that I hired, and uh, he's a very dear friend and grateful for the opportunity the Lord's put before him now to be the next uh, president at BCS. And so I had thought you know that the Lord would have me there, you know forever. I mean. As long as long as I might have uh, might have breath, but the Lord had other plans, and um, although it was through circumstances that were pretty challenging for me, um, you know, the Lord made it clear that that there wasn't that that, that wasn't going to happen, um, and that there was going to need to be a parting of ways, and that happened in the the spring of 2018, with you know a lot of tears and trials and challenges, um, but in that I also saw. God's kindness, the, the kind of things that, um, you know, we wrestled through together and the kinds of challenges that I, I felt like I faced at, at, at Bethlehem prepared me for the unusual role that I would be given at the Gospel Coalition um, as the interim executive director and trying to um, help shepherd an uh, organization that had been around for a decade uh, into into a new season of, of fruitfulness and um, kind of preparing the way for the calling of the first uh, president first full-time president of the gospel coalition um, but that was also in, in a bit of you know in a bit of uh, a period of crisis and um, I knew that that was not going to be a long term uh, a long-term play and part of that was because of my own sense of calling and desires kind of maybe getting back to you know what you Asked about earlier, I mean the the deepest challenge of leaving uh, BCS was the love that I had in investing in um, in college students and investing in the life of disciple making, and um, there was not that opportunity in quite in the, in the same way certainly with TGC, and and you and I have been talking about that for <laughs> for years for sure. as long as I was at the gospel coalition and so to be able to be part of cities and to you know to work alongside you and the other pastors in um, doing what pastors are called to do and equipping the saints for the work of ministry um, in helping people uh, just as we've been helped by the lord and by others through times of hardship and suffering um, Man, that's the Lord has laid that very close to the center of my desires, and okay. so, um, so I'm really thrilled to to be able to be part of that. You know, I look, I think um, a good a good friend, the older, wiser friend, once pointed me to Isaiah uh, chapter forty in that text that we're really familiar with, um, and, I, and Isaiah forty twenty seven. Um you know, where the Lord is speaking to Jacob and Jacob is asking, Why is my way hidden from the Lord? Um So here's Isaiah forty uh twenty-seven. My way is hidden from the Lord and my right is disregarded by my God. And God responds saying, Have you not known, have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not grow faint or weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. And this older friend of mine pointed out that the the word wait, um, he pointed back to this very, very ancient commentator who said that the word is, is akin to stretching. Uh, It's akin to, to twisting (laughs) that sometimes we think waiting is just this kind of quiet, you know, sitting with our hands folded, but that so much of life um, in waiting is painful. Um, But that in the midst of it, it's it's a it's a purposeful pain. Um, mm-hmm. God is doing something in it akin to what Jesus is telling us in in John fifteen. Um, and so, just to remember that sometimes those periods of pain that that seem so pointless in the moment, um, uh, we will get to see uh, on this side of the new heavens and the new earth what the reason for that was, it's, and sometimes we won't. Uh, yeah. sometimes we'll have to wait, but it's never purposeless um, right yeah man amen so so good, so
2: right and I think even without um, getting into uh, to all of the the particulars and the the details um, both with uh, your your time at Bethlehem College and Seminary and at at TGC, um, especially so with the time at BCS, I think um, everything on paper looked so good as far as like if you if you had, if you looked at your your job description and then you looked at the way that you're wired and gifted and the things that you're passionate and care about, you know, it, it looked like this kind of near perfect alignment, almost as much as one could hope for uh, vocationally in this life. And so, um, when, uh, ultimately like it, the Lord is the one who has caused the, uh, the change in, in direction, um, uh, with that came and fill in, uh, the, the blanks here, but I mean, there's a, a, a a disappointment, a fundamental like a disappointment, at a degree of uh, disillusionment um, and confusion, in as much as those two things uh, go together, um, and uh, I, yeah, feel free to add like the other things that you experience in that. But I just know that um, like that is a uh, an unfortunately common experience for. For many of us, right? We're like on in life. We, if you were to just like step back and look at it on paper, it seems like everything should fit, and then it doesn't. And that that's an incredibly difficult spot to to be in. And so, if you would like, I'd love to uh, to hear just more about like how. how the the kind of theoretical and, and ideal versus like reality when those two things don't come together as, as we hope that they ought, like how that uh, landed on you. And um, in similar ways, like the, the means of grace then that God has, has used to help you work through that mixed bag of, of emotions um, Mm-hmm. Whether that's truths like that in Isaiah forty or uh, friendships—I mean, whatever it is that God has has used—I'd mm-hmm. just be curious to hear. All right, how has He kept you through some extreme disappointment and surprise?
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah well, I mean, I think um, my. The, the experience of um of leaving BCS in the spring of twenty eighteen was profoundly painful. Uh it was profoundly the, disappointing.
2: The excruciating like this is it, God you're killing me yeah. kind of feeling that you're referring yeah. to. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. Um not all what I wanted or hoped yeah. for. Um and you know where I felt a real sense of man this is this is who the Lord has made me to be like, this is what he's made me to do. And then to see that door close. Um, I mean, I, I, there, there's so many, you know, not exactly disparate, but you know, I mean, so many different feelings, like uh, mm-hmm. apart from the disappointment, you know, some, uh, some sense of shame, you know, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. what, you know, what, what's the, what's wrong with me that, uh, mm-hmm. that, you know, I mean, in some ways, like, Lord, why do you, why do you, do you hate me? You know, like what, what have I done um, that, uh, that this is, you know, this has come about. And I mean, I think that that's a somewhat natural way to respond to disappointment. Um, And, and so I think what, you know, the, the means of grace that were there then very much are, you know, still here now um i mean i lived in the psalms i mean yeah. <laughs> i had no language i had no <laughs> language in my prayer life like to to cry out to the lord um over you know you know without getting into the circumstances there were just deep i mean there were some deep wrongs that were that took place and um you know the the language of Psalm fifty five was. Uh, I felt like okay, Lord, there are people who have been in this situation before, <laughs> and uh, it just gave me gave me words to cry out to the Lord. Um, it's so kind that God has given us uh, not only the Psalms of ascent, right, but He's given us lament Psalms. Um, yeah and he gives us in the mouth of the lord jesus uh someone else who's cried out in lament um yeah. and so just to just to be able to come home um to to the word and know uh you know what this is like um you know you know what it's like to suffer disappointment you know what it's like to suffer uh discouragement and um mm-hmm. and you have given us uh, men uh to help us you know articulate those things in words and so i was profoundly grateful for that was a huge and continues to be a huge um mercy a huge grace to me it is a mercy but a huge grace uh so that was one significant means um another very significant means is just been god's people um i'm i'm a very a very fortunate man to have great friends um who've prayed for me and encouraged me and sometimes call me up on the phone and say i just i'm i'm calling only one, for one reason today and that's just to remind you that you're not crazy which is kind of nice to hear sometimes it's Good to know. That <laughs> i have one friend who will remain nameless but could be a pastor at cities who says well at least you're not crazy about that you know so uh so friends who are who are uh you know, who've been who've been really faithful, um, and uh, that's been a huge support. And having some older—I mean, I think one of the the particularly kind mercies of the Lord in the last several years is having some—I I dare say—call them older friends, but they are older, you know, who are you know in uh, you know in retirement, uh, but who have pastored faithfully um, for many decades and who have been through similar circumstances and mm-hmm. who can just who who know who know uh, who I, who I can go to and who I have you know like they get it they understand they get me um and they can help me avoid falling into certain sin uh and they can you know encourage me in the places that I need to be encouraged and I do think that in the midst of it, I mean, this is what the Lord does, doesn't He? He He uses suffering in our lives, um, in order that through that suffering, like He, like Paul reminds the Corinthians, that um, we might see Jesus in it and be able to comfort uh, others who suffer. Um, and so, there's been plenty of of that, I think, as well. A deepening, a a steadying, Um, and those are all, you know, evidences of God's kindness, I think, uh, to me. But I I think, you know, disappointment in life is something that all Christians experience, and it's going to be something in in terms of ministry that that, that pastors uh, will experience, sometimes in really egregious and profound ways, and so you know, I hope that what the Lord has done, um, in me and for me, um, would be, would be beneficial to, to others, you know, beyond me as well.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Amen. I mean, I'm,
0: uh,
2: um, there's not just from, uh, your, your training and experience and, and proven ability to, uh, to, to teach um, classes of uh, men and women at cities who want to learn and grow in their knowledge of the Bible and um, knowledge of God and leadership abilities, but uh, also having experienced both for myself and having the privilege of now over the last few years walking alongside you in, in several cases of, of caring for people who have been profoundly uh, disappointed and, and hurt. Uh, I'm really grateful for the ways that the Lord has used these fiery uh, trials, painful disappointments, but to to season you so that you might do exactly that which you just talked about, which is mm-hmm. to bring comfort and encouragement and hope to uh, the people of our congregation and mm-hmm. and beyond. I also, um, you kind of opened the, the door for me and I feel like, uh, here in this format, sitting down with you, I've, I've got to ask the the question. You talk about, um, the profundity of friendship and what it's meant to you to have, uh, good friends. And, uh, and I mean, you, you've never been married. Um, mm-hmm. and so I know that there's a, a way too, in which friendships have, uh, have played a. Um, I, you have been uh, one of the the best friends that I have ever had in your care and concern, and I also know how much friendship means to you when you think about like your investment in place and location. Like when the when the going has gotten rough. For you over the years and what it would in some ways feel so much easier to just ditch town and yeah. to start fresh. You know, that uh, the main, one of the main things that has kept you in the Twin Cities has been the friendships and relationships mm-hmm. that you have here. In a similar uh, kind of way that like, uh, if my wife was in Minnesota, I couldn't and she wasn't going to go with me, I, I couldn't kind of leave. Yeah, I've heard you even talk about friendships in, yeah. in that sort of a way. And uh, and knowing that uh, we don't, we don't, unfortunately, I don't know if it's unfortunate and I don't know how intentional it is. Like, I just don't know how much airtime goes out to uh, the unmarried folks in our congregation who are trying to navigate Um not having a spouse through some of life's most profound uh, difficulties and so just any encouragements then that, that you have to um the, the unmarried folks who would be listening to this this interview as far as yeah what how do you sew into your friendships so that when the trials come you've got the support there what does it mean to be a a friend anything that you want to do to help us think about that. Um which doesn't apply just to to singles. Uh married people ought to be good friends as well. Yeah. Uh, but I, I think that uh, you have a a really helpful perspective here to share with our folks.
1: Yeah, well it's it's profound, isn't it, that um you know in the passion you know prior uh to jesus you know going through the the sufferings that lead to the cross and to his death and resurrection that in that um you know moment of of pretty profound significance for his disciples that he says to them um, i no longer call you servants but i call you friends Like, I don't, I don't think it's something that we're supposed to just kind of lightly glance over that friendship is something quite central to the new covenant reality because that's who Jesus is for us. Um, And so, you know, it's not cool or hip. It doesn't seem these days to talk much about friendship. Um, I don't particularly know why. Well, I have some ideas for why. but um it has been historically a major component of what the christian life has looked like you know there's a great line from uh i think it's from hamlet shakespeare where uh shakespeare where where uh shakespeare at any rate says that the friends you have bind them to yourself uh with with hoops of steel and uh i think there's a good um Good, uh, I don't know. Vision of the importance of of having other people in your life who know you and know your know your sorrows and and know your challenges, know your joys, um, because we ha- God has so designed us as human beings that uh, we we depend on each other in Christ. Um, and candidly, brother, right? I mean. You know, a, a single people need to remember that uh, married people were once single and and will one day be single, um, and and uh, and so the challenges there that we all face for human companionship are you know we all we all face them together, um, but that uh, that cultivating deep, meaningful, real relationships is part of what it means to be in Christ. Part of what it means to be um in community with others um and uh while one spouse should certainly be that um we've had lots of these kinds of conversations uh one can't only have a spouse that is a deep friend um, right. because your marriage is strengthened marriages are strengthened by uh, your marriage is strengthened because hilly has good friends um, because she's got a sister who knows her uh, and loves her. And uh, and the same is true for, for, for you, you know, because you have uh, good friends. And so, I don't know, that's an important thing for, I think, um, both married and single people to keep in mind. I mean, goodness, single people have the, unmarried people have the opportunity to be those kinds of friends for others. And so, um, I don't know, I'm wandering a little bit. The other thought that, no. that comes to mind is the the great, um, the great line from J.C. Ryle, uh, that friendship is the grace that halves our sorrows and doubles our joys. Yeah, I love uh, that line. It's cool. It's a great, it's a great, uh, I mean, I think it does capture what true friendship does we get to experience and delight in God's goodness and the happy things in life with others. Um, Man, it just makes, it makes joy all the, makes those kinds of things all the more joyous. And uh, man, our sorrows are are half as sad as they otherwise would be uh, when we have someone to share those with. We have a friend to share those with. So yeah, I think as an unmarried man, um, I want to, want to lean into those um those kinds of friendships for for my sake and for the sake of others um, mm-hmm. because God's designed us to to have that yeah to pursue that to be that
2: yeah yeah man you've been uh exemplary uh in that uh, tremendous well and, and I think that that's uh um it's also just amazing uh, even outside of uh, cities it, it feels like uh, the number of people who I talk with who uh, who know you or would consider you a, a friend because you've been uh, so good about seeking out relationships and investing in in people and caring for them deeply and well and I'm grateful to to hear that um, that there's been a um reciprocal grace in the, the moments of your greatest trials where uh where you felt those friendships coming around and and supporting and upholding mm. you in most difficult moments as well
1: so yeah and and you've been one of those brother
2: well, which i'm grateful joy, man it's been a, it's been a joy i i just i so badly want for uh, everyone in our church to experience uh, those kinds of deep meaningful friendships and, and relationships. I think in some ways, right, this is quite the the sidetrack, but I think a, a worthwhile one. Um, uh, I don't think either you or I were planning in talking about friendship as much as we have, but it's appropriate <laughs> that we do. Um, in some ways it feels like Facebook ruined the uh, the yeah. idea of, of friends because um, all of a sudden you know, within a couple of years, I had fourteen hundred friends or something on mm. on Facebook, and just that whole uh, proverbial if if everyone's your friend, no one's your friend, uh, and yeah. uh, so so we've kind of lost the significance of of what it means to have a friend and to be a friend. Um, but when you really have a a friend, I mean, that's a powerful a powerful thing. A sweet thing to know that uh, you have somebody who you, you think Jonathan and David uh, is kind of the quintessential, like mm-hmm. somebody who loves you as they love themselves. or th- it really mm-hmm. does in practice consider your needs and interests as greater than their own. And um, you have friends that are serving each other in, in those ways so that everyone's interests mm-hmm. are considered and everyone's cared for. Uh yeah just, oh, that the Lord would work such a grace in cities that our community would be full of those kinds of, of friendships that are rich and strong.
1: Yeah, amen. Yeah. Amen, yeah. And to push, you know, I think back perhaps against some of the, the, um, you know, maybe some of the broader cultural depictions of what, what friendship is. Um, it's kind of um, shallow um, and uh, you know n- not durable in just the way that you you know the way that you're talking about about sometimes face facebook and you know facebook friends um, yeah and i think you know i think it's it's a bit more it, i don't i don't know what you think about this but i think in some ways uh, some of those cultural pressures make it harder, make it more difficult, particularly for, for men. Um, and I think, you know, guys growing up as I did, uh, th- there just wasn't the, probably both the modeling um, nor the um, encouragement to pursue that level of, of, you know, of vulnerability and trust and uh, transparency with, with other guys, you know, I mean, because men don't need that kind of thing. Right. I and mean, that's mm-hmm. kind of the idea kind of it's right. the, uh, the, the old romantic, uh, vision of, of the, uh, you know, man is the, um, independent self, uh, you know, self-sufficient conqueror of the, of the world doesn't need anybody else. And there's a, that, that kind of independence is, uh, is has a whole lot more deficiencies than it <laughs> might first appear, um, right. and so I think it's, it's important for us, of all people in the church, to be able to see and articulate and embody um, a vision for for true friendship.
2: Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, even just thinking uh, trinitarianly about how you know the the Father doesn't exist alone and independent of relationships, but uh, the, the father is in perfect communion and relationship with the son and with the spirit. And so that the, you know, the Godhead himself is built upon these harmonious, uh, loving relationships. Um, and as those created in his image, you know, that those are the kinds of relationships were created for both with God and with each other, which yeah, definitely does then push back on the um, the kind of stoic uh, idea ideals about masculinity or about friendship and um, and it's 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 actually uh, the wonderful irony is is that it it seems like where there's um, healthier friendships, healthy friendships in terms of men in particular create stronger more durable men uh yeah. you see it time and time again that um that men who have good friendships are generally better better men stronger men um yeah and and i i think that we can say the same for uh for women as well i know the mm-hmm. the kind of uh, impact that um my wife's friendships, uh, have on her and vice versa when it comes to, um, emotional health and, uh, outlook, um, on even just the, you know, hope for getting through <laughs> today, uh, the yeah. way that uh, she's strengthened and edified and, and also can have that impact on the, the lives of the other women in, in her life. Um, yeah.
1: which requires though, the being honest about what's what's difficult and what's hard. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we were designed for it, man. I mean, I think again, you know, I think the, the need identified, it's interesting that the, that the Lord decided to tell the story the way that he did uh, in Genesis, but the the, the need that he identified in the perfectly good uh, setting of the garden was that it was not good for man to be alone. I mean that should be a bit striking when we read Genesis We're in everything that we've heard so far is good and then suddenly God says it's not good uh, for man to right. be alone. And I think we're inclined to simply stop and think when God creates a woman from man that the, the thing that, that we're supposed to terminate on the on the as the solution to the not good of man being alone is the male-female relationship in marriage, um, but I think the reason that that's not the case is because that's not the way, um, you know, especially uh, that that we see Jesus speak of the new heavens and the new earth, right? the uh, The future that we're looking towards and and going towards uh surprisingly, Jesus surprises the the disciples by saying that uh you know there's not going to be giving or receiving of marriage in heaven, but we'll be like the angels mm-hmm. uh and so that maybe we ought to look back at the Genesis uh picture and realize just what you said that God has designed us to be in uh, fellowship with others with in in community, not to be um, we're not, uh, no man is an island, um, right. but that he designed us that way because he created us in his image uh, and he, he himself is uh, a community of, of persons. Um, and that's the community of persons that Jesus tells us in John 17, we are one day going to be part of, that he's going to draw us in uh, to that that fellowship. Marriage points to that certainly, but yeah. it, it isn't, it isn't the fulfillment of that. Right. And right. sometimes I think we get, we, we see the, um, the proximate or the, we see the the more uh, intermediate and rather than the final end uh, in that. Um, and our marriages would be enriched. I think to see the final end and certainly the lives of those who for whatever reason are not married would be enriched. Uh, to see that final end too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, amen. Yeah, Lord, uh,
2: look forward to the that day when uh, uh, we we are around that um, wedding feast and the the table of the the Lamb, and relationships are as they ought to be when the, the mm-hmm. thing that uh, you know these earthly relationships uh, point to and are foretastes of or. Finally and, and fully realized in glory, bro. This is uh this has been so good. Um, and uh, and thanks for uh, going with me down the the friendship um oh, yeah. the trail here is is as well. There's so much more that that can be said, and um, look forward to uh, the, the ways that I'm sure you'll get to help uh, shepherd and, and lead our people towards deeper and uh, richer friendships um, just uh, as far as final, final question, final uh, encouragements um, you've said so much. So this is kind of just uh, in summary, you know, if, if, if you've got a member who comes up to you at the, uh, the end of a service and they're coming with profound disappointment, whether it's hmm. um, career, career, ended in an unforeseen way and engagement ended in an unforeseen way. Um, I mean, the, the painful disappointments of, um, you know, of, uh, miscarriages and infertility. I mean, there's, there's just so many times where good things in life that we ought to desire, um, that in the Lord's, uh, uh severe mercy, um, they, uh, they don't go the way that we would would hope or expect. What are some encouragements that just in the moment you might have for those folks, based on
1: what the Lord has taught you? Yeah, well, I mean there there would be a there would be a bunch, but maybe the one that I would would land on would be you know looking back again to what Jesus tells us in uh, in John. 15, um, you know, the, to be reminded that um, even though pruning is painful, that his desire for us is that we would bear much fruit, and that the pruning of loss, of death, uh, of disappointment, uh, it's hard. It doesn't make sense to us in the moment it may not in some ways make sense to us in this lifetime but we can have confidence that we are in the hands of someone who loves us and who cares for us more than uh anyone else in the in the universe does and that he he does what he does um, because he loves us Uh, and he allows what happens in our lives to happen uh because he loves us and that he's preparing in that uh, fruitfulness beyond what we can what we can see um and so to just keep coming back to him and say lord this is really hard i don't get it um that's that's what he wants from us <laughs> is yeah. to keep coming keep coming back to him and abiding in him and uh And to hear him tell us that as the father loved me, so also I've loved you. Mm. Uh, There's a whole lot for us to rest in, uh, in that. So that would be maybe one, one encouragement. Yeah. Amen.
0: thanks for listening to this episode of gospel stories this podcast is a production of cities church you can learn more about cities church and find several other resources by visiting citieschurch.com we'll be back soon with another conversation so be sure to subscribe to the show and if you were encouraged by what you've heard here please leave us a review or better yet Give it a share so that more folks can hear about the work of Jesus in the lives of his people. And finally, a special thank you to Sarah Groves for our theme music. All right. Well, thanks so much for tuning in. We'll be back soon.